Welcome to this, the fifth and last of our podcasts for the Spectator's Economic Innovator of the Year Awards for 2021, sponsored by Charles Stanley Wealth Managers. I'm Martin van der Weer. I'm the business editor of The Spectator. If you've been following this series, you'll have heard me speaking to you from Leeds and Exeter and London and from our, our Midlands podcast from Birmingham. We're now today meeting the last four of 27 finalists for this year's awards out of a total entry of 151 from right across the UK. And as I said, I think after the Exeter meeting earlier this week, one of the very good things we've had this year is we've had entries from quite remote places and small towns really spread out all across the country. So perhaps even more so today, we've got a couple of entries from from the highlands of Scotland, which we're pleased to see, just as we saw some entries last week from Cornwall, from Somerset, and we've had them from Redcar, from Scarborough, from Durham. So there's enterprise going on all over the country. Anyway, I'm delighted to be joined again this year by two now veteran judges of this competition. So I'm just going to ask first, Irene McAleese, would you like to reintroduce yourself very briefly? Yeah, so hi everyone. My name's Irene McAleese. I'm co-founder of Seasense. We're a cycling technology and data company based in Northern Ireland. And happy to say we are previous winners of this award for the Northern Ireland and Scotland category. So I'm delighted to be back here again today to judge. Thank you. And Ian Ritchie. Yes, I, my name is Ian Ritchie. I live in Edinburgh. I am an angel investor. I've invested in over 50 startup companies personally, but I'm also involved in the venture capital business. And as a non-executive chairman of Tern PLC, uh, we invest in IoT companies. And our third guest judge today is John Porteous from Charles Stanley. John, tell us about yourself. I'm John and I am Managing Director of Central Financial Services at Charles Stanley. I was born and bred in Edinburgh, but for the last 27 years I've been working in London. Thank you very much. So we've got four companies who've joined us for a very congenial lunch here in Edinburgh today. The companies are Renewable Parts, which is in replacement parts for wind turbines, a very important Scottish industry. Secondly, from Northern Ireland, Sonray Analytics which is digital pathology, use of big data in healthcare. Third is the Highland Soap Company from Fort William. And the fourth is the Scottish Bee Company, which is reinvigorating the Scottish honey industry. So a very wide range, as ever, we say. It's very subjective to judge between such different businesses. So what we'll do is we'll give you a brief description and we'll share our opinions one by one. So Ian, would you kick off and tell us a bit about Renewable Parts? Yes, I mean, Renewable Parts has grown out of an engineering company based in Lord Gilpid, but they discovered a business that um, is pretty much they've made their own, which is to refurbish equipment from wind turbines. And so the first generation of wind turbines, I think for about 10 years, the manufacturers guarantee they look after them and refresh them and so forth. But after that runs out, then um, they need, if they want to stay in service, they need to be refurbished. And, and this company has discovered a real market there in refurbishing bits that fail regularly, particularly the kind of gearboxes that allow the turbine to change, to turn to face the wind. These fail apparently quite often. And so they've got regular now 
contracts with the SSEs and the EDFs of this world who have these wind farms and they have a regular flow of these pieces of equipment coming back to their factory which is now in Renfrew it's easier to access obviously distribution from there I think the company's based headquarters in Stirling so they've, they've found this business they're doing it very well it's actually grown about 100% a year for the last four years as I say it's, it's doing uh, really well they've innovated in a lot of ways they've innovated in the way they deliver their refurbished gearboxes and stuff and they've designed uh, carriage, you know, cartons and so forth that fit it, these devices perfectly and don't need any extra packaging so you don't have packaging to throw away. And they've also designed them in a way that can be manipulated on site with uh, holding irons instead of uh, forklift trucks because there aren't usually forklift trucks near wind farms. So they've, they've looked at their customers, they've decided the sort of things the customers really need and they've tried to meet those needs and I think that's been very effective. They are now looking forward to moving into the decommissioning side of things because some of the early wind farms are now coming up to be taken down and replaced by new bigger ones. And so that's a new business that they're looking into at the moment. And that's something they're beginning to learn about as well. So there's no shortage of, I think, opportunity for this company. They've been really very innovative in the way they've addressed their market. And I think they've got a very bright future ahead. Michael Forbes was the director who told us about it and he talked a lot about kind of cyclical economy of reusing every possible piece finding skips full of dumped parts of turbines on site when they go to their customers and taking out of those skips everything that can possibly be reused so it has a real sort of green angle to it as well as being just in the wind turbine business itself. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that it was an excellent presentation. We're really treated to a presentation where I think that they lived their values and their brand. They were really enthused and engaged around innovation. And I think that the opportunity for the business and the way that they're approaching the market has tremendous potential. I thought it was a very exciting presentation. Great. Well, let's move on to the next one. This is our finalist from Northern Ireland. So I'm going to ask Irene, as our judge from Northern Ireland, to talk about Sonray Analytics, this is a highly scientific business, a spin-out from Queen's University, so it's the sort of business that our judges sometimes struggle to get a handle on. But Irene, I know you can explain it well, in two minutes. <laughs> so um, Sonray Analytics is a, yeah, as you said, is a spin-out in Northern Ireland. It's working with biotech, pharma companies and CROs to maximise the potential of their data. So what they're really looking to do is to identify the high value biomarkers and validate the state of our algorithms to help get life-saving drugs to market faster, which is a great ambition and something that they've had some really good traction on. They've only been going for three years. They've already grown to a team of 15 and they have crucially achieved some product, some sales, and also have some very interesting research in progress funded by Innovate UK with Roche and also an, an NHS award which is really interesting because he mentioned that you know for US companies trying to break into the UK market to have a research undertaken with the NHS is actually a very powerful thing so there's a very good potential for them there as well if they're able to bring that research to fruition so early days yet but I think a very interesting proposition and really builds on the strengths that we're seeing coming through from Northern Ireland around AI and the IoT space. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Is there a kind of cluster of AI clever stuff going on 
in Belfast and yeah, roundabout. Yeah, there's, in Northern Ireland, I think that the cyber security, the fintech and AI are definitely emerging clusters that government is looking to put more well, have seen emerge and actually want to invest more in in a very focused way. So there's a new 10x economy strategy for Northern Ireland where they say, okay, in 10 years we want to grow the economy 10 times the size and these are exactly the sort of cluster that they're looking to invest in in Northern Ireland. So, Ian, did this one appeal to you? Would you it did, pop yes. this one in your portfolio? I, I could do, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably a bit late. I usually get in at the beginning yeah. when it's cheap. Now, I was particularly impressed with the fact that they productized it. This type of business, this sort of data and analytic businesses and AI business stuff, are usually delivered by consultancy and they, you know, you design something specifically for a particular task. But they've got a product that they sell by subscription. They've supplied to several users and this, the subscription covers upgrades. So every so often they provide extra tools and extra features in the product. And I thought that was a very attractive model. It's a very attractive model to investors because you've got some assured revenue. And also being productized, it's, you know, there's more potential for, for growth. John? Yeah, again, I would endorse that. In, in my industry, in, in wealth, I've seen some tremendous business models based upon subscription, and that came through as well. The other thing that really struck me was the IP and the credibility of the presentation and how it was set out. You really got the, the sense that this had been set out by real experts in their field. It wasn't a marketing presentation. It was one based upon deep credibility of the presenter. And I think that that was, certainly from my perspective, impressive because it is a complicated area to the lay person and he was able to deconstruct it in a way where you could see how the business could be a success. He, Dara McArt was our guest. He was himself an academic at Queen's and if I got it right he had a very nice anecdote about making a presentation where there were investors present and midway through his presentation Someone in the crowd stopped him and, and basically said they'd put £75,000 into the, the business. And actually, you know, university spin-outs are really important in the area of innovation, entrepreneur-led businesses that, that we are excited about and trying to give more prominence to through these awards. So it's always good to hear good anecdotes about yeah. spin-out yeah. businesses. And great to see they have a female co-founder as well. They do. Thank you for putting that in. So let's take the third one. This is a very different, and you might say, simpler entrepreneurial business to understand, the Highland Soap Company from Fort William. We heard from Jack McDonald, who's a, a non-exec director, speaking on behalf of his brother, Archie, who's the actual co-founder of this business, also with a female co-founder, I think. John, over to you on Highland Soap. Thank you. Well... It might have been a simpler business compared to the others, but it was, it was no less attractive. I mean, Highland Soap Company makes organic soap and skincare products out of Fort William. Uh, they've currently 52 staff, six shops, and they've recently built a cafe, supply several hundred hotels and give shops across the UK, USA, EU and China. It was a, a very entertaining presentation where they emphasised their sustainable credentials, their innovation credentials, and how they were using social media and how they were using uh, data points to attract new customers. I thought it was really interesting in the way that they very specifically understand their target market and they know how they want to draw people in. They're looking at two particular growth engines for the future, one being to build their exporting relationships and the other one building a wider brand footprint looking at different products and services. 
I think what, one thing that really struck me is what they're doing around the customer experience, particularly in their uh, retail spaces. So they were talking about how you could make your own soaps, with uh, use the hand basins there. And th- I think the, the thing that probably impacts the most is how it's a fresh and simple product that they're taking to the market and they're looking to differentiate it based upon the simplicity, but the attractiveness of being a high quality upscale, but yet simple product. Did it appeal to you, Irene? Yeah, I really liked the fact that they were using a lot of local botanicals, seaweeds and things like this, and obviously creating a lot of employment in the local region for those people who are gathering those kind of products. I think that was fantastic to see. Also how they were being, you know, they were pushing the boundaries around innovation in terms of their packaging, looking at recyclable forms of plastic, also educating the market, the hotel market around having refillable bottles rather than throw away, you know, plastics. I think that was great. And also the fact that there's such appetite in the Asian market for the Scottish brand was very interesting. Just the perception and and the opportunity for that to to grow, the perception of Scotland of being fresh air, clean, etc. how they can leverage all of that in terms of what they're doing in Asia, I thought was a good opportunity for them. And we talked a bit about the Scottish brand, Ian. (laughs) Yes. And and I think you had a view that it's great in these kind of... Oh, in that sort of situation, it's it's not so good for tech these days. It's not so good for tech, no. Um, We tend to project ourselves as haggis and golf and so forth. And and that doesn't help the tech industry. But but my goodness, it's absolutely perfect for Highland Soap. And as you said, the Chinese love it, this whole brand. And the Japanese, they've got a huge business in Japan as well. I was particularly impressed with their green credentials. They've developed um, packaging that isn't plastic but looks like plastic but it's biodegradable and also in their shops um, you can refill your container and that obviously you know helps with waste as well we've all got to start trying to cut down on waste yeah no I, th- I thought it was it was great really and it seemed like a classic entrepreneur story it's a relatively simple product it's using the branding that's associated with everything as you say that's nice and clean and natural and healthy about about the Scottish Highlands, and they're building a high-growth business. So we, re- we really enjoyed hearing that from Jack McDonnell. So the fourth one, I mean, it's a comparable business, it's the Scottish Bee Company, Ian Miller, whose earlier career, I think, was in, was in finance. He said he and his wife were particularly interested in businesses with a purpose, and the area of business they alighted upon to develop is honey and bees and bees we know are ecologically very important creatures but they're under threat all the news stories you hear about bees and honey are that bees are being wiped out by some agricultural methods and so on bee farming beekeeping isn't subsidized it's a hobbyist sector it's done on a very small scale by most beekeepers whilst Somewhere out there, there's Chinese honey or honey from somewhere else in the world, which is being highly processed, boiled, having all its good ingredients kind of taken out of it in order to mass produce it in squeegee bottles at pound fifty or £2. Whereas the real thing, people would immediately think of Manuka honey from New Zealand, has fantastic sort of bio-ingredients that are very, very good for health and even can heal wounds on... Well, you know, racehorses or human beings, if applied as like a poultice. And the Scottish heather honey that he is helping to produce 
has all the qualities of Manuka honey, but people don't know that because it's never been marketed. And what he's doing is essentially putting up the capital, the equipment and so on for relatively small scale beekeepers to have maybe 50 hives. It's not the two hive hobbyist, it's, it's the beekeeper who wants to do it to scale but needs, needs help with the capital. This company provides the, the hives, provides the bees, and then buys the honey and markets it. And I thought it was a really interesting presentation, actually, because there is a real purpose there. We do know the importance of bees as pollinators and that that is under threat. And this is a pretty big business. There's only one bigger honey business, we understand, in Scotland, who's the Queen's beekeeper, who is on a massive scale by the sound of things. And this is the kind of next one coming along. But I, th I thought as a purposeful business and a very entrepreneurial way of linking together smaller beekeepers, I thought it was a great story. John, what did you think? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it's, it's interesting seeing something with such traditional roots being commercialized. And I think that it had a certain charm as, as a result of it. I don't think I had ever really been interested in this subject before, but for 20 minutes I was absolutely captivated in what I would describe as a crash course in all things honey. So if, if you take it from, from that perspective that um, I was so engaged, I believe that there's a tremendous message that can be shared there. There's a really, really strong underlying message as we were talking about earlier. And I think that the potential marketplace for this that we were hearing is, is still largely untapped in terms of marketing message. So plenty of upside potential, I think. Yeah, selling to Japan, apparently. The Japanese are really well educated on the health aspects of honey, more so perhaps than some Westerners. Ian, what did you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was very, 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 very creative. And, and, and I was interested in their, as well as thinking of the, the market for honey, they were also thinking of the market for pollination. And in some places in the world, like in New Zealand and also some parts of South of England, the beekeepers sell their pollination skills <laughs> to farmers. That doesn't happen in Scotland, and so that's one of the areas he wants to develop. And indeed, with the change of agricultural support, you know, with moving from the EU to UK regulation and so forth, that may be something that we can start to do. And that would that'd be a very interesting bit of business to, to develop as well. Yeah. Irene? I love the ethical aspect of the business. I mean, besides the fact, you know, that they're helping to get more bees out there, which is an incredibly important thing to do. They're funding a charity called Repollinate, which is supporting wild pollinators that aren't really being able, able to be monetized, such as dragonflies and, and things like this. So that's a really nice ethical aspect to the business. But it's really impressive that they've been able to win the top platinum award at the London International Honey Awards, even beating the 150 jars of manuka so great opportunity and you know as he mentioned you know the chemical composition of the honey in Scotland has every bit as much potential to provide some of these healing and health benefits as what can be done with manuka this is how we market that and overcoming some of those hurdles around the regulation I mean I make those claims but I think that it's a fascinating business and I'm you know I really applaud them for helping to get more bees out there <laughs> so there we are that's our four finalists for Scotland and Northern Ireland. As I said, it's an extraordinary difficult choice between honey, soap, data analytics and spare parts for wind turbines, but that's the job of our judges. But it's always a pleasure for us to meet entrepreneurs. They tend to be young entrepreneurs who are building these high growth 
businesses in all every every corner of the UK. So we've really enjoyed this this year's round of finalist meetings. All 27 I've met personally. Now it's I find it very energizing, rejuvenating. I can say to meet them all. So I hope you'll stay with us. Have a look at all of the websites of these companies. There are links on the Spectator site to help you do that and tune in again, as it were, to hear who our winners are when we get to the awards in November. So I say thank you very much to Ian and Irene and John for being our judges today. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.